Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the X Factor Racing. I'm Nancy. This week, we've got Ancoran Carson, who will be joining us for in a little bit. But today, I am so excited to have a very special guest. We have Jeff from Charting Horse Value. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Good. Thank you for having me, uh, Nancy and Ancora, and look forward to speaking to Carson. But really glad to be here and uh, joining your podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. I want to give you a heads up that the last guest we had on the show, our producer accused Nancy and I of fangirling. <laughs> and so we're going to try and keep our fangirling of you to a minimum. Okay. Uh, but we will still find ways to express our appreciation and excitement for having you on the show. So maybe at the end of the show, you just kind of, you know, score us on a one to five scale and let us know if we fangirled too much. That way our producer will be happy that we've learned our lesson. Maybe. Okay. But, but off the <laughs> I'm okay with the fangirl. Uh, don't make it too hard uh, on me. Uh, well, I was going to say <laughs> off the record, we're, we're huge fans. I mean, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And on the record, to be honest, that was for you, Andy. So, uh, okay. but Jeff, tell us how you got into horse racing. I was reading some of your about you information, um, on your website, which I, you know, you'll have to tell us about and how to get there, uh, yeah. for everybody in the audience, but you were in the Navy. And so immediately I was wondering how much of the work that he did in the Navy, is helping him in horse racing. So please give us your background story. Well, I think it goes before the Navy. So uh, always been good in math and science, had watched one or two Kentucky derbies, uh, you know, on TV as a child. Um, I saw, you know, Sonny's Halo win the derby. I think that was 83. Um, and so anyway, I go off to UCLA. I was an electrical engineer there. So I've always loved math and science mm -hmm. and I was in my first year in the dorm and just kind of walking down the hall and somebody calls me and says, Hey, come on in. We're going to watch the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you got to pull a name, you know, pull a name out of the hat here. Okay. So, you know, I'm back, you know, this is 1986, right? Mm -hmm. So TVs weren't uh, all that special, but mm -hmm. anyway, I pulled out Ferdinand. Okay. And Ferdinand, of course, was a big long shot, was dead last, comes flying up the rail. I win the I win the pot. It was a winner take all. Wow. Yeah. So that, you know, that kind of had me interested. Got me. <laughs> yeah, that'll interested. hook you. Yeah. I mean, that was that was my first, you know, uh, sort of wager. You know, I think we all put like four or five bucks in there. Um, but then um then I got into it with a friend in college and we started hitting Santa Anita at Hollywood Park. And, you know, I just loved it, loved the problem solving and just was digesting it constantly. Of course, I had a very, you know, limited bankroll back then. I was a poor college kid, mm -hmm. but um, I started reading tons of books on it. Now, as a kid, as an electrical engineer back then, we all had these Hewlett Packard cal calculators. They were reverse Polish notation, which is like basically to say three plus three equals six you do it all backwards okay it's like three plus the three you know it's weird it's it's reverse post notation anyway i read this book um it was called dr z's something on horse racing and uh he was talking about market efficiencies and he had a way of doing it uh, and i programmed that way into this calculator 
And back then, you know, pools were all isolated. So the Santa Anita pool was Santa Anita. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm studying the wind, the place to show. There was no, in fact, I don't even think there was exact event. Okay. Yeah. Doubles, Ooh. wind, place, show. All right. Uh, but anyway, I started using the system uh, and was making money on it, but it was really boring. Okay. Basically, you're only betting to place and show on huge favorites. Um, so I, but it got, it got me thinking that market efficiencies, market dynamics work in horse racing. And if you look at the data, it's true. Okay. Um, f- you know, favorites win a certain amount of time, they have a certain amount of ROI. Uh, as you get higher and higher in odds, your win percentage goes down and your ROI goes down. Those are actually over bet. It's so predictable how the public is going to bet that I felt like if I could figure out a way to um, estimate a horse's chance of winning, I could have an advantage. So that's what I did. I designed a system while I was in the Navy. uh, Back in 1994, I got my first laptop and I started playing around with Excel back then. Wow. And I designed my first system back then uh, to calculate a horse's win probability. Mm-hmm. So that's how it all started. Uh, yeah, I was a submarine officer in the United States Navy. Um, I met my wife in San Diego. Uh, I was stationed at Hawaii, but I met her in San Diego and then, uh, then I got out. Um, and then I had a full career. Um, I was in the semiconductor electronics industry for about 22 years. Um, and of course I played horses you know, on the side and I had my little system here mm-hmm. that I've been using for myself. Um, and I had this you know, long career um, and I did really well. But then a few years ago um, at the end of 2019, uh, before the pandemic, I retired. So then the pandemic hits and I'm bored. I got nothing to do. And people have been telling me my whole life, you know, you got to take this system public. You got to offer it and sell it, you know? Uh, So I had this big day at Santa Anita, a huge day at Santa Anita. I hit like this gigantic double, like $680 double, something like that. Uh, And I go, that's it. I'm going public with this thing. This is time. And (laughs) Uh, so that's that's when I started the business. It was uh, summer of 2020. And so up until that point, had you been helping out friends here and there, or was it a system that you had basically built for yourself? I built it only for myself. Um, and uh, of course, it's been optimized and fine-tuned over the years, mm-hmm. okay? But I would go to the track with friends, of course. Mm-hmm. And... You know, in the old days, I had to put the daily racing form out and for 30 minutes in between every race, I'm, you know, knee, knee deep in the racing form. Okay. Oh, know that feeling. Mm-hmm. And there's no time to socialize. And of course, they're all socializing and having a great old time. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, who to bet on, Jeff? Uh, okay, I got it out. Here it is. This is what we're going to bet on. And, um, you know, they all loved it. They had a great time, but I wish I was able to socialize more. And that's part of the, was the motivation. I wanted to go to the track and the handicapping was done. Yeah. And I could watch the horses. I could socialize with my friends. I could watch the tote board, see what was happening there, add that into my dynamics and, and gamble. And so my friends got exposed to it. Um, 
uh, just when they visited with me, you know, yeah. now then it was probably 2007 or so um, I got into horse ownership mm. and uh, which was a oh. lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, I had a blast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And so then I um, met some guys through that group and all, they're of course all big handicappers. I mean, um, so I remember once we were all picking up, I showed them my technique. They were very impressed. I had a, a computer program. Okay. For uh, sure. You know, yeah. and they, but they didn't believe it. They, you know, they wouldn't. So we had a couple contests early on and I told them, okay, we're going to do a little win place contest on this, this card today. And all I'm going to use is this program. And then, you know, when I beat them, you know, they started to pay attention. And honestly, my program is way better than it was in 2007. Mm -hmm. But uh, I made some really critical improvements. And, uh, and I learned, you know, as I go out there, I learn, and I, I, I fine tune, but uh, it's a great, it's a great system. And I'm happy to talk to you guys about it. It's a fascinating product. And what I was seeing today in the tutorial, one of the tutorials that's on your page, uh, was you in your tutorial, you go through step by step what each column means, what the numbers, the even down to the color coding. And I think one of the things that I picked up in addition to, you know, how to use your product was that it seems as if educating handicappers regardless of what level of handicapping they're at seems pretty important to you. Is that something that when you're creating these materials on the site, you do have this idea in your mind, I'm going to educate as well as help people punch tickets? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do want to educate people and, um, you know, teach them a little more about than just my product. You know, mm -hmm. I don't actually give tickets out. Um, I don't even give mm -hmm. selections out. I mean, if you ask me, I'll give it to you. But uh, you, you know, you can use these charts in a variety of ways, you know, um, you know, people sometimes ask me, you know, who do you like, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win this race? Mm -hmm. And I really struggle with that question because, you know, all, you know, more or less, I mean, of course there are exceptions, but more or less all the horses are entered to win the race. Okay. Mm -hmm. They all got a shot. Um, and since we're wagering on it, we need to figure out which ones we can wager on that in the long run will make money. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'm not trying to beat one race. Okay. And of course, Kentucky Derby's the Breeders' Cups. Those are different things. We got our fan clubs and our horses we like. Uh, and, you, you know, we want to play those. But, um, you know, day in, day out, you know, I, I try to look at every race as every horse in the race is in there for a reason. And um, what, what's their chance of winning? Uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to educate, you know, uh, but, you know, and, and I don't have everything in this program. You know, I don't have all the data I could possibly get that I would love. Um, and there's, you know, some, some, some pieces of data I wish I had that I don't, mm -hmm. but, um, but it's pretty, it's pretty thorough. But yeah, I, ha I have a good I have a good CHV story that you don't know, Jeff. Okay. So for Royal Ascot, I get a text from a mutual friend, Sarah, and she goes, "Here's a try." It's like if you want to try before you buy it, and send these, and she gives me some tips. And so she's she goes, uh, "The horses with the three lowest numbers and the PFDS odds are the one to target." So I'm, I have to be honest with you. I'm looking at the charts, and I'm I'm like. 
what does that mean? And so as soon as I went to your tutorial, I mean, you went through everything and I'm like, oh, this totally makes sense now. And so I didn't want anything because of course I'm still new in the handicapping, but I mean that it's, it's really helpful. It's really awesome. Like look through and see just like the math and science behind it. So that's my little story, but I didn't win, but I hardly win. So well, I, <laughs> like I am, I'm working on it. I swear. I am. Um, I had a good ascot meet, especially the first two days. You did. Ooh. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had so some I was really like, good ones. Yeah. So I'm like, clearly I got to call some, I called Jeff at some point because I'm right. not even using these charts right. And so <laughs> Jeff, what do, what do the charts focus on? For instance, um, I work for Benny South Street and Trip Note Pros. And okay. when we ask him, he'll say our trip notes focus on jockey intent and horse comfort. What does the what do your charts focus on that people can be like, oh yes, I need more information on that? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. um, the and great answer by the guy from Trip Note Pros. <laughs> I really like that answer. What does it focus on? Okay, let the core system that is the PFDS odds. Okay, that is the one thing that is like 100% fully proprietary. And that focuses on the horse's results. Okay, mm -hmm. focuses on, uh, you know, what place did they take? How many lengths were they beaten? And it translates that performance to today okay mm -hmm. it takes that performance from the past and says okay if the horse is that good as it was in that race and i'm not talking speed figures okay i'm mm -hmm. talking finished position and beaten lengths how good would it be today against this group of horses mm -hmm. and i do that for every single past performance and wow. then i weight those past performances based on how closely they match today's conditions. Um, but there's so much involved. I mean, I'm looking at the weight of the horse and how the weight changes. Uh, the jockey, I should say, the weight of the jockey. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at how many horses were in the race. Was there only five horses in the race or was there 12 horses in the race? Um, I'm looking at so many different factors as I translate from one to another. Um, wow. And the math is complicated. Um, there's, you know, I've studied it and I know that uh, it's good. It probably in the long run, slightly discounts the favorites mm -hmm. in, 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 in preference to maybe horses with slightly longer odds. And uh, I could fix it, but I actually like it that way. I want to discount the favorites a little bit. So um, but yeah, the math, um, that's how, that's how it works. So it's looking at past performance data and translating that to today, today's race. So if I'm going to Santa Anita, which is my home track, I love there. I love it there. Everything about the place. Yeah, uh, right. if I'm going to Santa Anita and I have your product with me, it, it could be a standalone product. I don't necessarily need my PPs or Brisnets. Yeah. You don't. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. You don't need them at all. And um, I mean, if you have them with you, you could get a cheaper version. You don't have to get the big form. Mm -hmm. 
you could get like the little cheap track program one. Yeah. Yeah. Just to have your eyes to look at something, you know, if you want to have a little eye check, but I got to tell you, the eye check messes me up. There was a horse uh, a few days ago. I was on a video with Ed DeRosa and um, it's the last rapes of um, the Gulfstream mandatory pad on Thursday. And the, the chart clearly said this was the horse to bet on. It's 12 to one morning line. And the, you know, the data was an, analyzed by the program and it says this is the best horse to bet on. doesn't mean he's going to win, but you know, mm-hmm. best horse to bet on. Well, you know, I looked at that, the PPs and I said, there's no way this horse is winning. Mm-hmm. No way. Well, guess what? Horse won. Horse won, <laughs> uh, horse oh. won at like 16 to one. That horse won. Okay. Uh, so, you know, don't always trust your eyes, uh, there, you know, and everybody's trusting their eyes. So everybody's seeing the same thing in those PPs. Yeah. Uh, And it does, it does seem to me that if you have a process or a resource that works for you, the moment you try to incorporate something else or too much of something else, your system falls apart. Have you experienced that? It sounds like maybe you have. I totally agree with that. I recommend using two pieces of information and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as I designed this system, I tried to incorporate some checks and balances, which we can talk about, mm-hmm. but th- that's why you want to have a second system as like a check and balance to either, sure. give you, to either give you some confidence or to give you, uh, um, you know, some concerns and that can help with how, how you manage your money and how much you bet. But you really don't want to go beyond that. And I've done that before in the past in the, like mm-hmm. the Breeders' Cup. You know, I've got four or five different things all going on and you can't keep track of it all. Yeah. And every system has got their own opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you, you end up either using everybody or betting a lot of chalk. Okay, you know, yeah. if you're trying to find the horse that everybody has a comment. Guess what? That's the favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you try to include every horse, every single person possibly mentioned, you're basically going all. So you really need to be careful about that. And you need to pick systems that are complementary. Um, maybe look at things a little different. That's what I mean by complementary. So, like, for example, you mentioned TripNote Pros. I've seen their mm-hmm. product. Um, mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've used it occasionally when mm-hmm. it was free, just played around with it. But that would be a very complimentary product to mine. I'm oh, wow. I'm looking strictly at past performance data, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're looking at jockey intent and horse comfort, okay? Mm-hmm. So they complement each other really well. You know, in the past, I've used uh, Bruno with the works, okay? He's looking at morning workouts. Now, I have a thing in my program that looks at workouts. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, okay? But it's pretty basic. Uh, he's giving you a whole nother way of looking at the mornings. Okay. Wow. Um, So that's what I mean by using different systems. Don't, you know, don't, don't go to time form and get their speed figure and then go look at buyer and get their speed figure. Yeah. They're going to mostly say the same thing and it's going to make you overconfident. And Mm -hmm. you're not, I mean, my opinion, you're not going to make money using those figures because everybody is looking at them. And um, you're going to have to find other ways to identify a horse's chance of winning besides the speed figures. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So and don't use too much. Just use maybe one or two. 
That makes sense. And I'm wondering too, what I really like about your product, what I was seeing on the website and everything is that you clearly have taken some very complicated math, done all of the work for me. And you're like, here, here's what all that math that I just did equates to. And so does that, how often are you sort of revamping your system? I noticed on the about me page that you mentioned your daughter even helped you at one point refine you know, one of the systems that you use, how often do you take a look at the system? I made a small change to PFDS odds about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but that portion is pretty well locked in. Yeah. You know, and I did so much cleanup to get this thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of information packed into a very small amount of space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even got the horse's name in there, but you know, Cause I like to hear what when the, the guys calling the horse's name out. I want to hear it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but, but you're right. Um, but it hasn't been a lot of changes lately. Um, it's pretty been, I think it's been more or less locked in place for the past year. Well, I did change the pace column. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pace column, I used to use Kieran and I felt bad. I felt like maybe I was stealing something there. Uh, so I created my own one. Okay. That's why those numbers and letters are a little different. Uh, I mean, I created my, you know, it's not complicated math. I read the book about it. I know how to do it mm-hmm. and they were providing it for free. Uh, and I was just using what they gave me. And I said, you know what, I'm going to write an algorithm for it. It's not that hard. Wow. So, that, so I did that. That was very recent, probably in the last two months, my daughter. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Now back, you know, this looked totally different, this program back in the day, mm-hmm. but when my daughter and I were playing around with it, but she would look at this early speed and late speed, okay? These figures I come up with and she would add them together, okay? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then she would take the horse that got the highest number. And she was having some success doing that. And I, you know, and it made sense you know, the book Modern Pace Handicapping talks about energy. It uses the term energy, okay? And it talks about energy distribution and energy expenditure. And it what they call energy is early speed plus late speed. And then what percentage of your energy did you use early? Um, and, you know, if you use too much early, then you're really going to die late. And there's like a perfect there's a perfect formula. Okay. And that perfect formula of energy distribution mm-hmm. is different in every track you go to, but it may be even different based on the distance and surface, et cetera. But the point is, is this thing energy um, is, was written about 25 years ago, modern pace handicap, whenever it was 30 years ago. So, um, so I realized that's what she was doing. She, and, you know, she had stumbled across this is her way wow. of using my chart. And that's exactly what I'd read about a long time ago. And I go, you know what? I'm going to uh, steal that idea. And so what I do is I have the early speed number and the late speed number. And then I got this energy number. And it's basically just the average of those two. Same as adding them together. I'm just Mm -hmm. averaging them. Um, And that energy figure is like my version of a speed figure. Mm. And uh, I've tracked Thurograph and... um, and they, they make good speed figures, okay? Mm-hmm. But I find my energy figures correlate just fine. You know, there's a few times where 
they're on some horse they think is really fast that my my energy figure is not catching. Mm -hmm. It happens occasionally, but more yeah. often than not, my energy figure is pretty reliable. That's fantastic. And so you're you're basically what a kid figuring out horse racing in college and, and all of these equations and formulas just come to you? Yeah. Now the PFDS odds formulas is a bunch of statistics. I know okay. that's a subject that everybody hates to talk about. I just broke out in hives, Jeff. Yes. I <laughs> okay. I tutored my wife I... in college. I was a little older than her. Uh -huh. She was getting her uh, registered nurse degree. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, so she's an RN and uh, she uh, had to take statistics. Mm -hmm. All her friends did too. Okay. And so I gave her one-on-one -on -one tutoring, helped her with her projects, but then I was holding court with three or four of her other nurse friends, you know, <laughs> the night before teaching statistics. Okay. <laughs> So there's a lot of statistical modeling in that PFDS odds and best odds calculation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, I, I learned that in college, you know, and I, and I yeah. always had a passion for it. So it just makes me even more grateful that your product exists because not on any planet would I alone be able to come up with and say, you know what? I think I have a formula just for that. So you don't like formulas in car. I was just not telling at all. you earlier about my fun gantt charts not at all <laughs> well then that begs the question are you the sole handicapper in your house jeff or has your daughter now shown some interest in horse racing or how's that I'm, work i'm more or less the sole. um my girls came with me um to the track for father's day uh you know i got both of them to come sit with oh, me i love that day. that was nice mm -hmm. and zoe zoe gets into it my oldest Katie's not too interested. Mm -hmm. uh, they want me to give money, you know, which I, of course I did, but they want me to give them money to go bet on the horses. Yeah. And then they get to keep the profits. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, uh, dad. That's how that works. <laughs> you know, happy, so. happy Father's Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I, but so my, my oldest, but you know, she's so busy. She's 20. Mm -hmm. She's got her social, social world out there. Um, so I think Zoe could maybe pick it up a little later in life. My wife has no interest in it, mm -hmm. um, and but she'll go to the track to me and just sit there yeah. and root for my horses. She's gone to the Breeders' Cups with me. Um, you know, she likes to get dressed up, put the hat on. Yeah. You know, but I'm the only one that does the handicapping. Gotcha. Jeff, and you might have some hope because last year, I'm, 20, I'm 29 now, but 28 I was getting more you know I got really into it last year so you got some hope actually I think for both of them you've got some hope yeah and they got you know it might it might hit them later because like when I was younger I didn't I went to the track didn't appreciate it so much and then last year it was like bam all the time so I think we got hope hey you know they might end up getting this business okay I mean yeah <laughs> right you know I may not want to run it anymore um and it could be a little part-time gig for them um <laughs> Speaking yeah. of, of not wanting to run it anymore, please, because this is something I have to hear from Benny a lot. How much time is it taking you to put these charts together for your subscribers? Because this looks like a tremendous amount of work. And my automation is decent, but not great. Um, you know, I, I wish I could just push a button and it just does it. Mm. 
uh, I'll keep working towards that ultimate goal. But it takes me a couple hours a day of just the data crunching. Mm And then there's all the maintenance of running the business, you know, subscribers and cancelers. And, and then there is all the marketing, you know, Mm -hmm. Twitter, YouTube, but the actual data itself, you know, is takes me about three minutes a track. Wow. I handicap one track in three minutes. So if there's 20 tracks to do, that's an hour. Mm-hmm. Then you get bored. You can't do it all at once. You kind of split it up over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if, it, if I'm just going to one track by myself back in the day, okay, mm-hmm. I handicap a card in less than three minutes. The whole oh, thing. what a flex. Yes. What right? a flex. Okay. <laughs> I want to know who can do that and pick no. long shots and, and, and no, no favor. And then, then my whole focus is on tickets, betting construction, where to bet, where to skip, you know, and that's a whole nother, I mean, I, I would love to design some software around ticket construction. That might be my next, yeah. next right. project. Why? Well, yeah. So that's it, one of my questions is like, do you, what, what do you, what's your usual go-to, like a pick three, a pick five, like what do you usually like to do when you're, you know, crafting a ticket? Well, I think I like to bet to win. Okay. Um, And I like daily doubles. Okay. Uh, Pick threes, I really don't mess around with too much because at that point, I'll just go to the pick four or pick five. I have started to really like the pick five quite a bit. It's low takeout. Um, But, you know, I try to warn people, you know, the exotics, especially like like a trifecta, Okay. It's 25% takeout. Uh, even in super effective, 25% takeout, whereas the win, is, and then there's breakage. And then the win bet, it's typically 15 to 18% breakage. I mean, so I would take out. So, I mean, you're giving a lot of extra money away to go into these different pools. You better have a good reason to go into those pools. And there are sometimes good reasons to go into the trifecta pool. Um, but like most of the time, you're better off just staying in the win pool. Uh, and so then, and then you can maybe pull together a couple of wind, you know, into a double and then you could pick your, you could pick your double. Oh, I'm going to play the race three, four double today. I really like those two races. I got great picks in both those races, but I'll still bet them. I'll still bet race three to win. And then I'll bet a race three, four double. And then if I'm alive, I don't have to bet race four at all. And that's the great, greatest feeling. And if I'm not alive, then I bet race four, um, you know, so you can manage your money with the double very effectively. You could scale double bets. Let's say you're playing four combinations. They're not all equal likelihood. Mm-hmm. You could scale all four combinations differently based on your wagering dollar. Um, and then if you survive into that second leg, now you've got no takeout on the second leg. All mm-hmm. the takeout happened in the first leg. Second leg, it's a basically, it basically is takeout free. So, and you very, you really can manage your money very effectively with a double. Uh, it gets harder to do with pick threes. There's just too many combinations. You know, you got to have a big bankroll if you're going to try to play 24 pick three combinations, you know, different dollar amounts. Yeah. And then the same thing with pick fours and pick fives. And that's the problem I have with those wagers for the average handicapper. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. is they're all just playing caveman tickets, you know, three by four by two by one by five, whatever. And there's so many combinations on that ticket. And some of the combinations on that ticket are really not worth playing at all. They have no such a small chance of hitting. And then there's other combinations on the ticket, which uh, are too chalky. Um, and so they're not really managing their money very effectively. And, you know, you get the big glory day, you hit your big fiver once in a while mm-hmm. and it feels good. But my advice to get to small bankroll uh, people is don't play a pick five unless you got two singles and play small, play small, play skinny. If you have a great day, you're going to hit it. You might lose 10 bucks. Big deal. Move on. You yeah. know, and like guy yesterday, first time customer, I'm not kidding you, subscribed for the first time and hit the Churchill Downs pick six using my chart on a $9 and 60 cent ticket. Okay. Paid 500. So you got 50 to one. That's how you play it. You don't play hundred dollar tickets. Okay. Okay. To get 500 back, hundred dollar tickets to get 500 back. People do it. Uh, But you know, and then I see people playing 500, 700 pick fives. They're going for those multi-thousand dollar hits. They're going for those $20,000 paydays. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they'll eventually hit one. But you got to have a big bankroll. And, you know, for me, it's about having fun at the track. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've hit so many pick fours and pick fives with tiny tickets, $8 tickets, $12 tickets. That's my specialty. And I do it by having two singles. I, I, I single twice. So wow, that way but, I can focus my money on the win bets. So Jeff, being that all of us are on Twitter and clearly you're very active with marketing on Twitter um, and your presence on Twitter, have you ever seen ticket construction posted on Twitter that was so bad that you felt tempted or actually reached out to that person and said, hey, I can show you how to do this better? Probably me all the time. I've made a couple (laughs) comments. I probably have made a couple comments, okay? But it's probably been a long time since I've done it. Uh, people don't take comments well on Twitter. So I keep my mouth shut. Um, people do what they want to do. Most of my, cu- now, one of my customers, mm-hmm. if they're actually my customer, then I will gladly offer advice to them and give them a couple pointers. Okay. And they usually are pretty receptive mm-hmm. or, or a customer of mine. Okay. Uh, but many people just don't want to hear it. Um and I see these pick five tickets. There's no singles at all. They don't even have one single on the whole five, pick five ticket. Oh, um, so Jeff, you see mine. Sometimes you click like and you go, ooh, Nancy. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> Is that a bad ooh or a good ooh? Like a yeah, ooh, right? I, I don't single. So you probably okay. just click like and support and go, ooh. Yeah. I'll let, I'll let her lose I'll let her lose that one today. Yeah, sometimes we <laughs> have to learn those lessons on our own. I know. Well, you'll you might hit them more often, you know, but you're gonna, you know, if, if my friend, I have a good friend, he he talks about ticket construction a lot. He's good at it. He once hit a $6 pick six when it was a $2 wager, okay? Or no, it was eight. It was $8 pick six when it was a $2 wager. And he hit it for thousands um, up in Belmont. And uh, 
he scratched into the favorite on one of the legs. His horse got scratched. He scratched into the favorite. But anyway, but, but regardless, he hit it, okay? And he hit it with uh, four combinations on a $2 wager for $8. I mean, tell me about that. I mean, that's, that's how you got to do it, you know? Yeah. And um, he says, hey, you know, we're, we're putting tickets together. And we add a second horse. And he goes, well, you just doubled the cost of your ticket. You had a second horse there. Do you, did you double your chance of winning? You know, are you, are you, and once he gets to two, then it's okay. Let's get to four or five then. Because once you get to two, you get to four, you can double it again. You know, so you got to be careful. You got to have a couple of those legs, just single. And if you don't have any good singles, then just pass. Don't bet that sequence. And a lot of these pick four, pick five sequences are just awful. They're awful. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to touch them. Now, every once in a while, some good ones come out, especially the all stakes ones. I like betting. The, I like betting all stakes, pick fives, pick fours. Um, you know, that's where you can have some really good, strong opinions. Okay, and uh, but but there's a you know, it's a it's a sucker bet. You know, I mean, they suck you in, and they got these jackpot wagers, and you know, you're better off targeting a double, targeting some good win bets. And if you do experiment, you know, experiment with a small budget. Be be uh, discerning. Thank you for cautioning, I, you know, yeah, and, I, and I, advising. As I say, I've got all my notes on the side because usually how I am is like I always feel like you can evolve and learn from others. So um, I always appreciate when someone's like, hey, that ticket looks like trash. Or I'll text people like, what do you think about this? And they're like, no. I'm like, oh, all right. I'll have to redo this. So. Hey, somebody Jeff, thought, if you ever, if, Jeff, you it, ever see a ticket of mine in the future and you're like, nah, girl, this is trash. Just <laughs> come. Okay. I have permission. And please, you, you now have, and yeah, just go, nah, girl, this is trash. <laughs> yeah. Shame her publicly so the rest of us can see it as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, I saw someone hit a, a pick five on two by two by two by two by two ticket. Okay. Ooh. All right. You know, that's the worst ticket construction, but <laughs> they hit it. Okay. And they made $5,000. Oh. Okay. So, you oh. know, I, I sit here and talk like I know everything. I don't. And these tickets are hard. Pick fives are hard to hit. And, you know, uh, so I will, I, I won't poke too much. I promise but I'll give you some advice if I see anything. Yes. yes. So one thing I want to go back to and reiterate for the audience, when I become a subscriber, Jeff, yeah. am I going to have a reasonable and appropriate amount of access to you? If I have a question about the product or if I, you know, listening to you today, Hey, I'm not really sure about this ticket. And I'm not talking about text messaging you at 4am, but like, you know, a reasonable, appropriate time, you do interact with your customers. Unbelievably, I give full access. I give them an email. I let them DM me. Mm-hmm. Quite a few of them have my phone number. Uh, I consider many of them my friends now. Uh, I, I, tra- I did a humongous road trip last summer. I started in Arlington. I went to Indiana, Thistledown, Saratoga, hung out in Saratoga for four days, Delaware, Colonial. I visited customers in every single location. Um, wow. Hung out. Some of them I hung out with all day. Some of them I hung out with a race or two. I got guys still texting me. You know, you have more access than you can imagine. 
Mm-hmm. Now, there are some customers that never say a word to me. Literally mm-hmm. sign up. I, I, I send all my customers a personal welcome email. Uh, and, you know, and just to start a dialogue. And some of them respond back. Thank you. Uh, and they ask me questions. And some never do. They just never say a word to me. Uh, and that's just different people, right? You know, people, everyone's different. But you have as much access as you want. Okay, you can DM me. You can ask me questions. Ask me advice. Uh, if I, you know, if I'm not available, I'm not available. But mm-hmm. um, when I'm available, I love to help. You should really look into Spaces on Twitter, Jeff. There are so many opportunities to use that. I think people, you have such a way. And this Andy, our producer, I am fangirling right now. So give me a moment. Uh, you have such a, a calm, reasonable way of delivering information. I could see people flocking to those spaces to either ask you questions or just hear you explain the product. It would be an amazing experience. That's I think a it's a really great. good idea. And right? it's great that you're doing that, that you you do have a relationship with your customers. But you're right. I could have a space mm-hmm. that is just designated. I could publish that space and people could show up and we could talk about a card. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. I, I was a part of spaces with Caitlin Free for Ascot. Mm-hmm. I did a couple of them with her. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a good idea. I just think, yeah, you have such a way, even just, you know, speaking with you in this limited amount of time, you just have such a way of delivering information. I think your customers and new customers would really take to it. But yeah. So uh, Jeff, are you hiring us for the marketing team? That's kind of what it sounded like. <laughs> I'll After send Andy you my yeah. Thank you for the tip. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll send you my resume tomorrow. Yeah, after Andy fires me for fangirling again. Nah. Um, so Jeff, I do have a big question. When you mentioned that you've been doing this since 1983, this is something I've been wondering about for a couple of months now. Have you seen since 1983 to 2022, what trends are changing with horses, if any? How does the 1983 horse differ from a flight line or a, you know, a a secret oath or, you know, Canix go? Well, um, if at all, I don't know if the horses are that different. I will, Mm -hmm. I will point out some big differences okay now grant mm-hmm. grant i didn't really start getting into the late 80s i know i had that 83 i saw sunny's halo but i really started getting into the late 80s i mm-hmm. think the first kentucky derby i was really serious about was the one that winning colors won mm-hmm. uh, i was a big easy goer fan so i start. that's really when i started what i found some interesting changes okay um the game you know I don't know. I don't want to be, I hope this is to come off across strange, but you know, it was a lot of, you know, there's Francis Jenner. Okay. There's an example. Francis Jenner. She won with, uh, with, uh, Oh, unbridled remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a uh, great trainer. Um, and it was such amazing Kentucky Derby moment. She won the Kentucky Derby. It's hard to get those kind of stories anymore. Don't you find that it's like all the big money now owns the horses yeah uh the it's a lot of uh money coming from china now there's even korea was involved in nix go you got the middle east you got uh cool um 
I find that it's um, there's not as much success, you know, at the top of the game for the little guys. And I feel like the little guy owners are getting a little bit pushed out of the game. It's getting kind of expensive and it's very hard to own horses uh, at these smaller tracks around the country. You see a lot of horses actually owned by their trainers. Uh, because really? least, yeah, you see it a lot. In fact, there was a race up in uh, just the other day up in Mountaineer, um, and five of the ten horses in the race were owned and trained by the same person. Um, wow! So, you know, it's you know it, they don't have to pay themselves. You know, the day rate that yeah. pay rate is expensive, and uh, these purses are not that huge. But if you own the horse, if you if you got the whole operation, so it's hard, I think, to be a small time owner. You know, yeah. you, could do, you could do the syndicates. Uh, that's a, that's certainly a big trend that happened the last 25 years, these syndicates. And th- these syndicates happen uh, everywhere. Re- you know, that's what I was in. I was in a, a couple of syndicates mm-hmm. and they were small syndicates, really local, small ones, you know, no overhead. Okay. This, these are not the West Point thoroughbred syndicates, you know? Yeah. Um, I feel like the owners uh, get taken advantage of a little bit in the, in the sport. Um, the, the breeders do fine. The train, some of the trainers do extremely well. A lot of the trainers are just scraping by with, with the love of their life, um, you know, but <laughs> yeah. uh, the jockeys I have tremendous respect for these jockeys. They're, mm-hmm. they're such kind people too. Um, I've gotten to know quite a few of them at Lone Star and boy, they really put their life on the line. You see some of these accidents happen to people um, and it's serious business. So it's very dangerous what they're doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. As far as trends, I feel like that obviously the horses are racing a lot less often now, mm-hmm. coming off a lot longer layoffs. Conditioning is definitely must have changed. There's a lot more drug use. That's a sad thing, mm-hmm. but there is. It's a lot more of that going on. And that's how they can do that. Um, back in the day, you know, you had uh, horses running on Monday and then running again on Saturday. I'm not kidding. <gasps> you know, I mean, Conquistador, Conquistador Cielo, I think, won the Belmont. And he raced five days earlier in the Metropolitan Mile. And he won both, I wow. think. I mean, maybe I got my facts wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, horses used to run every week, every two weeks. Mm-hmm. three weeks was considered a long layoff now horses are running every month every five weeks six weeks right um, so le- they're running a lot less often taking six uh, month layoffs if not longer sometimes depending. Yeah. yeah and there's a there's a tremendous amount of focus on the breeding dollar and they don't you know they get this asset that they uh, and they spend a lot of money on these assets these horses Mm-hmm. Um, they buy them at these sales. They spend a lot of money or they breed them. It costs a lot of money at stud fees. And they've very carefully managed them so that it's, at some point they, they're hopefully that it becomes part of their breeding infrastructure, whether as a mare or as a sire. Oh. And, and so you see that careful placement, picking their spots. That's what's driving these small fields. Uh, in, in the big racing. I mean, I never have seen a Santa Anita Derby with five horses in it. Yeah. And, and how do you feel about those small fields at Santa Anita? It's concerning to me, but I'm fairly it's, new to the sport. It's very concerning. I mean, well, I remember going to the Santa Anita Derby and, you know, seven was a small field. 
Wow. I mean, you know, I've seen big giant fields in the Santa Anita Derby. Mm -hmm. uh, California is very expensive. You live there, you know. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the cost of owning horses is just very expensive in California. And um, it, it's hurting the industry, you know, is my, is my overall opinion on that. Have you been keeping up with the, is it the HISA or HISA uh, mandate coming out of Texas and how that's going to affect Lone Star at all? Because it's all been a little blurry to me. I understand it's a bad thing. I just don't understand how it's a bad thing. And will that drive down, do you think, Lone Star's fields? Will it you know, make their fields more compact? I think it won't affect it this year. I think everything is that all the, all the horses are already on the property. All the purses are set, but it could have a big effect on Sam Houston in the winter um, and uh, Lone Star next year if there if there's still this uh, this conflict going on. Gotcha. Uh, I, I don't know much about his. Uh, is, is, you know, for me, I'm a yeah. handicapper. It's boring. Okay, right? Yeah, same here. <laughs> but but, the, but I know the trainers and owners um, are very upset about it. Um, I think they welcomed some oversight. I think they wanted some uh, common rules, but apparently, and again, I don't have the details, but many, many are upset with, uh, with it, but they don't want, you know, I don't, the Texas people don't want Texas to just pull out and become yeah. an island. I mean, you can't even watch Texas racing, right? let alone bet on it. Yeah. I, I have an RTN subscription. I, I, that's primarily how I watch my horse racing. Same love RTN. Love it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't have to, you know, I can watch whatever I want, whenever I want. Mm -hmm. You can't even watch Lone Star on RTN. Yeah. Yeah. So forget about betting. It's like, it's like, uh, it's no man's land. You only way you, anyone, the only people that know what's going on in Texas horse racing right now is Texas. Oh, so yeah. it's, a little, it's a little concerning. I think they're in big trouble if, uh, if, if they don't work this out or if more states don't join them, you know, I keep thinking other states might join them, but we'll see. That, that would be an interesting to sort of, yeah. Do you, so with that in mind, how do you think, what's one way you would suggest horse racing get out of its own way? Get out of its own way. As in, it, it seems like horse racing is sabotaging itself. Sometimes the industry yeah, is yeah. sabotaging itself. What yeah. would be one way that you think a lot of these issues could be resolved? Would it be a, an oversight or regulatory board that, you know, from coast to coast? There need, you know, it's a humongous industry, right? Mm -hmm. You got Arapahoe just opened in Colorado. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, do we need to have Arapahoe under the same rules as Naira? I mean, so I think there should be, I don't know. I, I feel like there, some of these smaller tracks, they may just need to have their own little operation and, and let them exist. Okay. But for the big tracks, for the big races, um, we've got to have some sort of standardized rule. Okay. Mm -hmm. When it comes to drugs in particular, drug testing, drug testing has got to be improved. Uh, and if you want to enter, like, like, you know, let's say you want to have a horse in the rear scut, you got to nominate it at birth. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. you got to pay these gigantic fees. Okay. Yeah. You basically have to nominate at birth. Not every horse gets nominated to the breeder's cut. Okay. Uh, <laughs> some of these horses are just never going down that path. 
Mm-hmm. But if you think that your horse is going down the path of graded stakes, that's your destination you want to be at. Maybe there is some rules that you got to abide by, um, yeah. you know, and, um, you know, so that way when we see a graded stakes, we know all the horses are clean from drugs. They've all had the same drug testing. They've got the same rules. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think they need to get out of the stuff of trying to regulate the jockeys whipping. Um, you know, I think those are kind of areas where they really need to be careful. Um, you know, which kind of crop you're allowed to use or getting, yeah. you know, they're getting all sorts of little tiny little details. And I think what really people want is the sport cleaned up from the drugs. Absolutely. Right. Like Monmouth, Monmouth, didn't they reverse this, this meat? They no longer have the whip rule. Right. And last now, year they had it. Last year they had it and you could carry the whip, but you couldn't use it mm-hmm. except in an emergency. Um, and then, but this year I think you can whip, they have a maximum number on it. I'm not sure what it yeah. is, five or six. And you can only do two overhand and then the rest have to be underhand. I don't even know what the difference is really. Wow. I'm not a jockey, but they still have rules. Okay. So they're regulating whips, but they're not yeah. regulating drugs you know, yeah. to, to the necessary extent. Yeah. And listen, feel free, feel free to put some rules out there and say, mm-hmm. if you violate these rules, we're going to find you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if, if a jockey is over whipping his horse, uh, I'm all for fi- finding that jockey, mm-hmm. okay? but leave, leave the, you know, let's, let's look for real cases of abuse and not get into counting how many times did he use the whip? Oh, he only, he used it seven times, not six times. I mean, I think then we're getting into stupidity. Yeah. Um, you know, they, I think there's rules they're putting in place on what kind of horseshoes you can use. Mm. Um, you know, there's yeah. this big, huge online database you got to register for. Half these owners don't even have an internet. You know, the, a lot of these owners, these small tracks, they're like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Got to go what website? So, I mean, you know, you gotta, it's, uh, you gotta be careful where you take this thing. I, I feel like they should have focused on one or two big problems and just mm-hmm. attack those problems. Absolutely. And then once they got those problems solved, then move on to the next problem. Mm-hmm. You know, don't try to solve everything at once. Totally agree. Cause it seemed, you're right. It does seem like they're focusing on minutia when there's so, so many bigger issues to tackle. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite trainers is Ryan Hansen out of, uh, California. Um, and just, he has such a way with the horses. And when you were talking about, you know, like all of the big, you know, names, the trainers and the syndicates and whatnot, I keep thinking about what a brilliant trainer Ryan Hansen is, but he doesn't get the recognition that those bigger people do who are also breaking some of these bigger rules you know, and it, there just doesn't seem any way for the little guy to, to rise to the top right now. And I wish that's something that was addressed as well. Yes. Totally yeah. agree. I just keep no. seeing like chain restaurants, <sighs> Applebee's Chili's crossing the red line. And I want a mom and pop restaurant to cross, you know, agree. So, it's yeah. constant, you know, Godolphin won a uh, race the other day, uh, a horse, great horse. Uh, it was yesterday. It was like the second to last race, Chris's Ruby or something mm-hmm. like that. It was a Godolphin horse. 
you know, I remember when Godolphin, that was like a, you know, a rare sighting to see a Godolphin horse. They've got a whole oper- U.S. operation now. Wow. Uh, they're winning constantly. I think they got owner of the year one, yeah. one year here in the United States. Uh, I mean, nothing, nothing against Godolphin. I'm just saying it's changed. I mean, yeah. that's one of the reasons I love California Chrome. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know the one owner was a bit, you know, lo- of a loud mouth in the Belmont, mm-hmm. but he was a passionate horse guy. And so was his other partner. And they bred and raised California Chrome on a $10,000 budget. Ooh. And it went to Art Sherman. Mm-hmm. Now, Lucky Pulpit was a sire, I think. Mm-hmm. Lucky Pulpit was a grandson of Tappet. Oh, I love a Tappet horse. Yeah. <laughs> and he uh, was a little sneaky California sire. It was like a $1,200, $2,000 stud fee. They went into a partnership, I think, with Blinkers On. They got this, they raced the, the mayor, uh, the Philly, uh, mm-hmm. and Blinkers On. Philly didn't do anything. They won one, one race and got hurt, had to be retired. They bought the mayor. These two guys said, we'll Ooh. buy the partnership out. We're going to buy this mayor for, you know, $4,000, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And they bred it to Lucky Pulpit. And then out came California Chrome. I mean, that is, I mean, it's, that's a million to one. Billion yeah, that's quite million, the story. You know, it's unbelievable. And then Art Sherman was a trainer. I mean, that Art Sherman came from nowhere. I mean, he'd been training horses forever. You never saw that guy with a big horse. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, Bob Baffert and there's a standard, you know, and you might have a Mandela in there. You, yeah. you might have, you know, uh, a Peter Miller in there, but you know, Baffert's got three of the six horses in the Santa Anita Derby. I mean, that's what, that's what we've come to. Yeah. Like that is so frustrating for me as a new handicapper. Not only do I have to try and pick the winner in the race, but I have to pick from three or four Cox horses or, and then two Baffert horse, you know, it's so it it just becomes very confusing and I don't know. Hmm. You know, those are, those are some of the races. And I don't want to bad talk to. No, not at all. Yeah, I love the game. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of other stakes races in America yeah. And there's some fun ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. This weekend, we're going to get to see the Belmont Derby, um, which I think will be a good size field. I'm hoping mm-hmm. uh, the grass derby. And then you got the, we got the Iowa, Indiana derbies, um, you know, and then there's all these little stakes races that happen all over the country, you know, so we gotta, we gotta enjoy those, those uh, other races, but yeah, the, the, these big triple crown preps are being dominated by very few trainers. Yeah, I would agree completely. And I would love to know what horse, Jeff, what horse have you bet over and over again, but continually lets you down? Mm. You drop your G's. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's my horse. Who's your dropping G's? Who's your dropping G's? Well, I want to, I want to spike out my very first horse that I loved like that, that Mm -hmm. I would bet every time he raced. And that was Best Pal. You, you guys uh, ever heard of him? Never heard of him, but I love oh. the name. <laughs> Hall, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame horse. Oh, okay. Best Pal, California Gelding ran second in the Kentucky Derby, losing to Strike the Gold. Ooh. California Derby, uh, California Gelding horse had a long career. One had was a I think was Horse of the Year one year. I think uh, was a great horse. Wow. And I was going to bet that horse every time that horse ran. Um, 
And uh, in fact, I live very close to the Golden Eagle Farm where the horse was bred and raised. Okay. Um, right now, the horse that I would bet, Gunrunner was a horse like that, but he was he was a winner. The horse is, well, uh, I would say Hot Rod Charlie. That horse has cost me quite a bit of money. Um, <laughs> quite I, a I've few been, people. <laughs> you know, he has run second a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I like that horse a lot. Um, but I'm not, you know, the, the running this business has taken so much time. I've not gotten, you know, I haven't got that as much fanboy in me as I used to. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, but uh, hot rod Charlie was a horse I really liked. I bet that horse, uh, in the Kentucky Derby future, I got him at 96 to one. And I, I mean, I was so happy. I was so proud of myself. That horse, you know, was a huge overlay, 96 to one or whatever it was. 96 to one. And he took (gasps) third. Actually, he got, took second after the DQ of um, Spirit. (laughs) We'll Uh, take it. Yeah. I mean, he ran good in the Derby, you know? So, I mean, I I was sitting on a humongous overlay there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's another horse I bet it it might've been the same Derby, Senor Buscador. Ooh. He ran in uh, Oklahoma in the Remington Park Mile hmm. and it was so impressive. And I'm like, this horse is going to step up. This, uh, I, so I bet that horse immediately in the, uh, in the future, I probably got a hundred, over 100 to 1. Uh, wow. And then he got destroyed in his next race. <laughs> and then I think he took a year off. And then he just came back this weekend. He ran a Lone Star. No one even knows, but he ran a Lone Star and he won. So that horse is back, but yeah, I mean, little horses like that, you know, yeah. I love those. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. And so you keep track of these horses and whenever they're, you know, running, you just give yourself a little nod to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I still haven't built my stable on Equibase yet. I didn't even know that was possible until last week. And Carson told me we're definitely going to have to get you and Carson uh, to hook up at some point because you two have so much in common. She's a nurse. Your wife's a nurse. It's just, yeah, I'm I'm sure. Yeah. She's actually a subscriber too. That's fantastic. Yeah. So she, I will be after today. I'll tell you that much. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So she, I was hoping she'd be on. I wanted to meet her next time. You guys have me on next Abs- time. And- absolutely. Yeah. You're definitely going to be one of our favorite, you know, returning guests, I'm sure. Um, Je- Jeff, tell us where listeners can find you, can find the product and what you want them to know about charting horse value. Okay. So first of all, they can find my product on my website, uh, chartinghorsevalue.com. Okay. Um, and they can be a customer. Now I offer monthly and annual subscriptions. Mm-hmm. They're $40 a month and $300 a year. Well, within anyone's budget. Very reasonable for what I'm giving. Absolutely. Okay? Every racetrack, every thoroughbred racetrack in America mm-hmm. has a chart every single day. That's wow. Uh, now the also, I've just partnered with Horse Racing Nation Mm-hmm. And I'm selling my product on their website as well. And on their website, there's a daily option. So if you Ooh. just want to try it out for a day, it's $10 and you can have it for a day and see how you like it. Um, nice. And that was the guy that hit that pick six. He was a daily customer. Wow. Uh, so you could be a daily, you can go to a monthly on, on, on horse racing nation as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a couple of ways to become a member. And on my website, there's uh, and on Horse Racing Nation, there's tutorials, um, there's blogs on my website. I have a YouTube page, easy to find, search for charting horse value. Um, and I do videos occasionally. And um, yeah, so what and what to know. What I'm trying to help you with, there's all sorts of stuff on this chart and you'll have to read the tutorials to, to, to get the, the, the good stuff. But let me focus you in on three things, mm-hmm. okay? The, the odds lines, PFDS odds and best odds. I did all of that math and condensed it all down to a single number. And I'm telling you that that number represents what I think is a fair price to win. Now, the best odds... The best odds is looking at like a best case scenario. Sometimes you can find huge long shots with that best odds column. The the third thing is the value column. The value column is comparing the PFDS and best odds to the morning line. Mm -hmm. So it gives you an early look at where the value might be in the race. Um, You know, of course, post-time odds could change. um, Yeah but it gives you at least a feeling for where it might be. For sure. And then the other thing I wanted to spike out was this trainer column. There's a lot of columns on here. They're all good. I wouldn't have it on the chart if it wasn't good. But the trainer column in particular, the math I do there is very unique and a a very good trainer score is very powerful. Um, So Mm -hmm. that is uh, the the things I'd like to say. I think basically what, what my chart does helps you handicap the races very fast mm-hmm. and then focus on how you want to bet. And, uh, and so uh, that's, that's what it is. I love it. And then it gives you time to socialize with your friends. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what we need more of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much. And th- hey, you one, know, one, I, I want to go one ahead. One final story I got to tell. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one of my customers came down to Lone Star. Okay. He's a great customer. I won't say his name, but he's a great customer. (laughs) And he brought all his friends, um, his Texas friends. Okay. He brought, there was 10 or 12 of them all packed into these two or three boxes at Lone Star. (laughs) And everybody's got my sheet printed out. Everybody. Oh, okay. The first four races, my horses run dead last. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I left. I said, I can't oh. take this abuse anymore. I, they weren't mm-hmm. abusing me. They were friendly. Yeah. But you know, that's a lot of pressure, right? For sure. You know, my friend is, is promoting it. I'm there. Uh, and my horses are sucking. Then the late pick five comes. And it's winner, 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 winner. Big odds, too. Big odd winner. Another big odds. Favorite, favorite. Oh. And we get to the finale. We're live in the pick five. It's yeah. a $2,000 hit. And boom. <gasps> hit it. So, you know, you can eat, you're not going to win every race. Okay. You know, it started off the first, it was a nine race mm-hmm. cart. First four races, I couldn't buy a winner. Last five races, I crushed it. And everybody, it was great Absolutely. seeing printouts, there's printouts of my charts everywhere. Right. And sometimes all you need is that edge because you have an, you know, when I'm handicapping, I have an opinion. It may not necessarily be strong, but using a, you know, a product like yours, looking at your chart, it could help me make that final decision that changes my day, you know, for the better. I love that. 
I love it. So thank yeah. you so much. I'll, I'll be next. I'm probably going to Del Mar at the end of this month. I'll be one of those people in a box holding a charting horse value sheet. So I'm yes. excited. I'll yeah. have to, I'll let you know how it goes and how poorly I do with my own picks and how yours, your information helped me make the right ones. So, okay. And let me just say, I'm giving you guys a five out of five on your podcasting and appropriate, yes. an appropriate amount of fangirling or fanboy. Did you yeah. hear that, Andy? Yes. Did you yes. hear that? Um, <laughs> and I wanted to say this at the top of the episode, but I, I want to make sure I don't forget it. But thank you so much for your service in the military. Thank you. So grateful uh, for all thank you've you. done for us as a country and for horse racing. So um, hopefully we were good enough that you'll want to come back and visit with us. And I want to come back. Bring, all bring right. Bring me back during Saratoga. Let's have some fun. And we'll talk, yes. we'll actually talk uh, a little bit about the races. Absolutely. And, we'll get, uh, we'll make sure Carson's yeah. here. And for I'll do sure. a, I'm going to do a space at some point. And uh, when I do it, um, I'm going to, it'd be great if you guys hopped on and said hi. Absolutely. Oh, I'll probably course. have questions. Okay. So good. for we'll sure. Just, I'll have, we'll all have our charts printed out. Yeah, I, yes. I think it's pretty safe to say we're Jeff we're Jeff fans now and charting horse value fans. Yeah. So, but thank you so much for coming, and we will hold you to that. You'll be back for Saratoga. Yes. Awesome. All right. Take All care. Right. Thank you. Thank you, you so too. much. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. Bye bye.